Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. Well, hey guys, it's M.A. Dozier with Nimrod Outdoors, uh, and we have another great podcast for you guys this morning. We have just finished a fishing slash golfing weekend with an awesome family, uh, the Lamperts, uh, and getting to know Caleb Lampert and hearing his heart about foster care and adoption has just, uh, it's touched me. Uh, Caleb, you've sharpened me as a man, just listening to uh, what you and your wife, Sonny, have decided to do and the calling that God has laid on your life. Uh, so guys, I just want to give Caleb an opportunity to share his story uh, and share his heart for foster care and adoption. And maybe you are listening to this and, and you've considered foster care or adoption um, and you don't know how to proceed. You don't know the questions to ask. And so Caleb has those answers for you. And so if at the end of this, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. Caleb has said, hey, he would love to get in touch with you guys um, but without further ado, Caleb, uh, tell us a little bit about your story. Tell us a little bit about who you are, your wife, uh, and what what God, the path God set y'all on. Absolutely. Well, M.A., thank you first uh, just for the incredible weekend. It really has been a special time where I was able to bring my oldest son, and it was a great time of connection with him as well as my dad. So we had all three generations of men. Um, so thank you for, for this weekend. It's been incredible. But yeah, our background, so to be blunt, up front, growing up, foster care was not at all on my radar. It's not something that was necessarily a part of our family's DNA, so it was very foreign to me. I really wasn't even introduced to the idea until I got to college where I met my now wife, Sunny, on her first day of classes freshman year. She actually comes from a very large blended family. She's one of seven kiddos, uh, four of which were international either medical visas or fosters or foster to adopt. Uh, kiddos. So she actually introduced me to the idea and made it clear early on in our relationship that, hey, this is something I'm passionate about. It's something that's going to be a part of my background, but also my legacy. Um, so, hey, if you're interested, you're going to have to get on board with that. And so over time, honestly, I, I kind of hoped she'd forget about it because the idea was just very scary to me. Um, again, I had no exposure to it. I was an only child, actually, so I didn't even have a concept of you know just typical traditional sibling rivalries and that type of thing. But over time, uh, we were probably married about six years, and f during that time, it, it would come up here and there from, from Sonny's heart, but I had not really thoughtfully considered it. But by that point, I was kind of at a stage where I was wrestling with this idea of dependence on God, and, and what was I really dependent on Him to come through for me on a daily basis? And I really couldn't name anything specific, M.A. It was it was challenging. Sonny was in school. I had been in school working multiple jobs, but... Um, we, I didn't feel like we were really leveraging the gifts that God had put inside of each of us to expand his kingdom. And so Sonny's vision was clear. I prayed about that and thought about what are my unique giftings and do they line up with a world, the world of foster care and adoption? And so I, I thought about it and I thought, well, he's really given me the gift of exhortation, I think, encouragement. I'm passionate about showing people their value in God's sight and that they've been redeemed by Christ. Right. 
And we'd also been confronted with the fact that Georgia in particular was the sixth state as far as the number of kids in the foster care system. So the need was clear. I felt like my giftings lined up with that population of people who were, frankly, abandoned, neglected, rejected entirely, harmed in some ways. Uh, So my encouragement and, and just value proposition to show them the way Christ saw them lined up really, really well. And from all of that, I didn't mention I work at Chick-fil-A, and one of Chick-fil-A's philanthropic arms is called Windshape. And they had just stood up this program with uh, Chick-fil-A staff called Windshape Foster Care, where they'd partner with staff and their spouses to take in sibling groups up to three kids. Uh, and so we be- I, I jumped in obediently. We began the training, and it was terrifying. <laughs> they went through... Uh, just the background of these kids and how vast the spectrum really is. Some of these kids come from, um, I mean, none of them are good situations, but some are like voluntary surrenders of the parents where they know, hey, I just got one or two loose ends. And I really want to work on this to, to provide a stable home. I need to put my kiddo in foster care for a few weeks, a few months. And then others were just the worst thing you could possibly imagine times 10. So it was very scary. Uh, But we followed through that process, had all the home studies and interviews and paperwork on paperwork, and jumped in, really waited for about two weeks, um, praying, expectant, nervous. In April 26, 2018, uh, three kiddos came to our home, a sibling group of three. Braxton, the oldest, is the one who was here with my dad and I this weekend. He was five at the time. His sister Presley was four, and Kinsley was two. And uh, I don't even know where to go from there. Our lives were turned upside down. They were beautiful, wonderful kids. I won't get too much into the details of their trauma. Like M.A. said, I'm happy to serve as a resource. If if you guys have questions and you're on the journey, I can talk to you one-on-one. But just to protect their privacy a little bit, I won't get into too many details. But I'll just say they definitely came from trauma, Um, experienced domestic violence and substance abuse, and just had seen way more than any 5, 4, and 2-year-old I could have ever imagined had actually seen. So um, it was a process. We since then have taken in their youngest brother at the time, Hudson. He was uh, born at the hospital, and we went and picked him up at the hospital three days after his birth in December of 2018, and adopted them in April of 2020. And um, peek behind the curtain, you know that was a joyous day, and it, it reminds me so much of the gospel message that we are all redeemed in Christ and adopted into His family, and so. What a great tie-in, at least for me spiritually, to see that here on earth just as a manifestation of his goodness and redeeming us to his family. But, you know, that day wasn't all, wasn't all rainbows and unicorns. It was, a, it was a, a day of both and where especially Braxton, you know, was excited about being adopted into the family and having Lampert as his last name. But he also recognized, well, that's the beginning of something awesome. It's, it's also the ending of, of something that is in my past with my biological family. And that's that was difficult and is still difficult for him to process. It's not like a light switch goes off and these kids are just so grateful that you would take them into your home. They are, but they have a whole family uh, that is, that's behind them that may be terrible, honestly, as far as uh, loving on them, but it's still their family. It's still their mom. It's still their dad. And so we still have to process through that. Um, we've had kids in therapy, some of these kids in therapy, and we continue to have difficult conversations about that every week, sometimes every day. And so uh, I just encourage you that it doesn't go away. It's a journey. It's a process. And it keeps me dependent on the Lord regularly. Um, but anyway, that's the four. And then there was kind of the surprise fifth, which by the way, I was on board MA for like 
two kids. I thought we'd get one in our first placement and also have many. Our plan was not necessarily to adopt, but we thought we'd have hundreds of kids coming through the home over time. And that just, you know, that wasn't the Lord's plan. So uh, right off the bat, getting three was surprising. I was uh, not prepared. I mean, I guess you're never prepared <laughs> for something like that. And then the fourth came, was definitely wasn't prepared for that. Well, then the fifth kiddo was born, Wyatt, uh, late last year. So November, 2020. And uh, he came with more challenges than the other four combined uh, physically. So again, I won't give all the details, but born with uh, addiction to many substances, of course, none of them his fault. But the first month of his life was spent in the NICU going through withdrawal, which was absolutely heartbreaking. So my wife and I went to visit him at the hospital every day for anywhere from 10 to 16 hours and would just hold him because they say there's nothing else that can really help a kid overcome uh, withdrawal to these symptoms other than physical touch mm -hmm. and so we um, tried to just bring some form of you know regulation to his body and at least as an infant and he was premature by the way just to somehow let him know and still in him a sense of love and value and that he was he was special and he was precious and he was discharged with us a month later which again I've heard lots of parents of their own kids say this at the hospital, but what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> How do I keep this thing alive? Well, definitely with this kid, uh, he'd been weaned off of morphine, you know, this whole time just to handle the pain in his body. And of course, when we got home, it was a, a disaster. It was a dumpster fire for a while. Not his fault at all, but we just were not prepared for the level of effort it took to, to calm him. And so we've been in and out of the hospital with him, I believe, nine times in his first nine months of life. And one of those was a significant period of seizures, and it was really, really scary. He was in the ICU, um, just absolutely terrifying. And again, I keep coming back to this theme of dependence on God. This has drawn me and pushed me to my knees and to his presence more than anything else in my life because truly there is no day I can get through without his direct intervention in my heart, in my mind, in my soul. But again, just one other verse that comes to mind. I used to be, and still am, I really want to understand and discern God's perfect will. and But, you know, there's some things in Scripture that are just abundantly clear. He doesn't need to restate them. They are very clear. And so when I read in James as a part of this journey, I guess, of should we do this, should we not do this, James is clear about taking care of widows and orphans in their distress mm. and being a father to the fatherless, right, and defending the defenseless. I mean— that's abundantly clear that, that that affects this population. And so if you have any interest, men, anybody listening to this, again, I'm happy to serve as a resource, answer questions. I'm really an open book, uh, but I want to be an encouragement to you, a resource to you. If you're considering it, at least you know do some research, jump into the training, and uh, see where the Lord leads. Man, that that's awesome just to hear your story. Um, and listeners, I, I, want, I want to kind of give some context here. Um, so Caleb is 30, and his wife is 31. Um, so if you're listening to Caleb talk, uh, he's a young man. Uh, this is not something that they've raised their own kids and done later in life. And um, you've actually not had any biological kids right. yourself. And so this this is your first go. And now you got five kids. Um, I got two with one on the way and I'm overwhelmed. So mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine. Um, so Caleb, do, just real quick, give a little summary of uh, talking about... Um, you, you mentioned hardships, but you also mentioned um, the value that comes from it. But um, let me just ask this one question. Why, what makes it worth it to you? What, what continues to drive you to continue to do this? Um, and there has to be, I firmly believe, I knowing you just this weekend, that there's an eternal purpose there. 
But talk on that a little bit about um, just God's calling in your life of this. Well, you know, the most direct thing that comes to mind is Jesus' last command to his followers before being ascended or ascending into heaven, where he says, go and make disciples of many nations. Uh, and so that's one big component is I, I view this as almost like evangelistic outreach. Like it is our mission to draw these kids to Christ and to put them in an environment where he's at the center. And so that's one big component. But again, I'd also go back to these kids are coming from, in many cases, absolute rejection um, and because of that, in many cases as well, they have to take on this role. Actually, as a parent, Braxton had a lot of that even at five years old. And so that, for me personally, that was just heartbreaking to know the, the trauma that they've been through and the role that they're playing, where they're really, that shouldn't come until later in life. They should be allowed to just be kids who are light, right? Jesus talks about having childlike faith. And some of that is just a lightness and a curiosity and a wonder about the world. Uh, and these kids were were just that was almost beaten out of them. It had to be out of survival almost, um, especially in the case of Braxton. And so, just this mission of trying to restore their innocence, bring lightness to them, and say, "Hey, you know what? We've got your siblings. You don't have to. You don't have to parent them. You don't have to lead them. You don't have to provide for them. We've got that. What can we do for you? How do we create an environment where?" You are free. You are light. We talk a lot about that, where Jesus' yoke is easy and his, and his burden is light. That's a truth we continue to come back to, that, guys, you don't have to take on the weight of the world. What happened to you is wrong, but there is redemption in that. And so that's kind of the last part I'll say is we we want to help be agents of healing for their pain, but we don't want them to forget um, in a sense, like how they felt or what they learned from that experience so that they can bring it to others, other kids in the future, other adults even, who have been through a similar background to them. They are uniquely qualified and have credibility to speak to those people about, hey, there is healing in Christ. Let me tell you about him. Versus someone like me coming in and saying, well, you know, I really don't have that background, but there's hope. Sometimes that's enough and that's effective. Absolutely. But it takes it to a whole nother level if we can help champion these kids to use their background to touch others for Christ and expand his kingdom. Yeah, man, that that's awesome. And uh, earlier in your testimony, you tested on that we are because of uh, the price paid by Jesus on the cross. Mm -hmm. We have the availability to be adopted into the family yes. of God. Um, and what an awesome testimony that is. And, and it's a living out through the life of your wife and you um, going forth and being protectors and being providers for those uh, that can't fight for themselves. And uh, man, how encouraging it is. And just getting to know you, uh, Caleb, uh, let me tell you what, man, you sharpened me and I appreciate that. And I know you sharpen uh, everybody else you come around. Um, uh, Chelsea and I talked the other night and we were just uh, dumbfounded mm -hmm. just by the faith and the just tenacity you have to move forward. Um, and you even shared with me, uh, you and Sonny's, vision of possibly having a ranch in mm -hmm. which gives other foster parents a chance to get away and get a break. Um, yeah. man, that just shows me how big of a heart you have. Like you're in the thick of it now and yet you are still looking forward. And so, uh, thank you for just following, uh, Jesus where he's called you. Um, and guys, again, if, if you've ever thought about fostering or you've ever thought about adopting, um, and you have questions, um, I don't have all the answers, but I can hook you up with Caleb. And so if you have questions, reach out to us um, and let us get you hooked up with the right people uh, that can allow you to um, 
just foster in uh, an awesome opportunity to bring kids into your home and love on them and show them the light of Christ. And so, Caleb, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Um, And uh, we look forward to many, many more trips uh, with the Lamperts and having y'all out here and and loving on y'all the best way we can. So. So it's been a couple days since I interviewed Caleb, and after the interview, I was speaking with his dad, Andy, and Andy made it abundantly clear that one of the most major needs in the foster system today is people that are willing to go get trained to offer respite care for the parents in the foster system. And so what that looks like is you go get trained and then those parents, uh, foster parents are able to drop the kids off with you for a night, a day, a weekend, a long week. Uh, and it just gives these parents an opportunity to get away, to rest, rejuvenate, and just come back refreshed so that they can, they can give these kids all that they have uh, throughout the year. This is something that is very needed, and, and it's something that is kind of unspoken. It, it, it is, y'all become superheroes in this situation when you sign up to offer respite care, um, and most parents aren't going to ask for it. It's something that we just have to come up beside them as the body of Christ and love on them, and so the more and more people that can get trained in order to just watch these kids on a brief basis to give these parents time away is huge, and so if you're, maybe you've thought about fostering, but you're not ready to dive in full bore and have kids with you, live with you full time, this is a great opportunity for you to get your foot in the door and say, hey, I want to know what this is all about. I want to make a difference, and I want to show these kids that they are loved not only by by their parents, but by us and by Jesus, this is your opportunity. And so if you'd like more information, like Caleb said, reach out to us here at Nimrod Outdoors, and we will get you connected with the people that can give you all the answers you need uh, to make this happen. But again, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for just uh, supporting Nimrod Outdoors and all that we do. And thank you for pushing forward the kingdom of Christ. Y'all have a great day. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day, and we hope to see you next time.